So the Cowboys are in the playoffs. Yeah, they are every year. I mean, they get out after the first round. <laughs> this is just storybook. It's it's honestly just become kind of sad at this point. I mean, eventually you'd think they'd go farther. Eventually. But it's been, I think it's been before either of us were born. <laughs> since they, like, made the conference championship game. It's been a minute. Like, this team 100% should be contending for the top of the NFC. And I just, I can't trust them. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing, too, right? You have playoff Brady, which you can never count out. He's Brady. Yeah. God. Brady but, owns the Cowboys. You hear that he's like 7-0 and against them in his career? Yeah. Sounds about right for uh, how Andrew's life is as a producer since we just fired him. <laughs> Welcome in, good time sports audience. My name is Colin Brown, and as always, I am joined by our co-host and producer, Brennan Carson. It's good to be back behind the board again. <laughs> Doing it the proper way. Doing you know. it the, the proper way. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, you do look good sitting in that seat. Hey, you know, that's what happens when we fire Andrew again. <laughs> <laughs> I think you and him, because you, uh, you were dealing with some stuff with like your schedule and everything, and he's just... He just kind of just takes off when he wants to. You know, it's crazy. I actually have good reasons why I can't make it every now and then, like the ones I missed. But, you know, Andrew just says, ah, I'm out. And we said, well, sir, you're out of the pod. (laughs) (laughs) We look forward to having Andrew back on the pod next week. But as for this week, episode number 19, today, January 16th, 2023. As always, we got plenty of sports to talk about. Everything from the world of the National Hockey League the National Basketball Association, a little bit of college basketball, and of course, during playoff football, you know me and Brenner are going to talk some NFL and wrap it up, as always, this day in sports. Without any further ado, let's get into some NHL. It just amazes me, like, every every episode we get really cool music and that's a credit to you and Andrew you got to look for the good stuff I mean you can't just pick the first thing you find that's true you got to dig I know but it's just like every episode we we're getting new music yeah and it's it's great try to change it up I mean sometimes you know it's always nice to have your staple sound and all that but mm-hmm. you know change it up why not yeah well you know who did change it up was the Dallas Stars after switching their good old manager coach position they are thriving in this season, and we've talked about them a lot in this uh, this podcast, but rightfully so. They are doing very well to start off this season. But the Winnipeg Jets have caught up and are currently battling the Stars for atop the Central Division. Brendan, what are your thoughts? It's just going to be back and forth the whole time. Basically, what I've seen is we can play well when our team decides that they want to do defense. But the days they don't really want to do defense, they're like, hey, Otter, you got it all, bud. And then they're putting on like 40 shots on goal, and he's the only one trying to block anything. It doesn't go well. They do or do not do defense. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pain. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm all for the high scoring, though, that we're doing. Well, and it it's, goes back to what we've kind of talked about kind of throughout pretty much the entire time we've had this podcast. The Stars had a change of philosophy this year. Yep. They went from away from the defensive-mindedness 
uh, years past to now this year. They're saying, let's let it rip. Let's let it fly. And it's, while yes, caused a lot of um, positives for them this year, there are some negatives with going that style. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of shows, again, it it's always great to be attacking on offense. I mean, it's really helpful in hockey and soccer, you know. Games like that where you want to be on the attack most of the time. But if you're getting outskated and they're way faster and their puck handling's better, you got to remember, hey, we need to play defense. It's definitely something you can't forget in any sport. Yeah. I mean, like tonight, the Stars were able to beat the Golden Knights 4 to nothing. Impressive. Yeah. Great game. Defense was good. We were solid. Just all around good playing. Then you go back to, what was it, Saturday night? I think, was it Saturday or was it Friday night? When the Stars were playing the, I'm blanking on the name right now. Uh, yeah, it was Saturday against the Flames. They go, the Flames win 6-5. to five. Yeah. And it's just, again, defense. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Something you just cannot forget about. Yep, it's hit or miss, and that's just, it's the craziest thing. Now, you mentioned a couple teams from the Pacific Division, most notably the Vegas Golden Knights, who are now on a two-game losing streak. And my Seattle Kraken, don't don't look now, they have had arguably the hottest last stretch this last 10 games, at current, or they used to have an eight-game winning streak before they fell tonight, ending that uh, such streak. But the Kraken are only two points behind the Vegas Golden Knights for first place top of the Pacific Division. And to be fair, you lost to the Lightning. Yeah which is a very season-tested group. Yeah, so it's like, you know, hey, you're not losing to Arizona. (laughs) I'm not a better in the hockey world by any means, but I just, Tampa Bay just always would strike fear to me if I'm going up against them in any given night. They've been good. They've really rebounded from what the start of the season was. I remember we were talking about them kind of having a slow start. Yep. And I, I even said, though, don't count them out. Yeah. And rightfully so. They got the championship pedigree. Ultimately, they didn't win it last year, but the two years prior, um, they were the Stanley Cup champions. <sighs> Some that, Don't remind me. Eh, you know. Got to keep the listeners informed there. But uh, the Calgary also making a late push along with the Edmonton Oilers in the Pacific Division, and arguably it's the closest division in all of hockey right now. Yep. So, I mean, <laughs> no doubt about it on that one. Yeah. And speaking of those Lightning, they are currently creeping up uh, to second place in the Atlantic Division behind the Toronto Maple Leafs. But neither one of them have been able to hold a candle to the Boston Bruins, who have an NHL best 72 points up through this date. It's, it's, it's 72 it's 70, plus 72 goal differential. And as we've been saying, they're just... I mean, if I'm saying who's going to win the Stanley Cup right now, it's them. I mean, no one can question it. No one can argue against it. Now, would I love to see the Stars make a run for it 100%. But if I'm saying stars up against Boston, uh, <laughs> are we having defense that night? <laughs> yeah, and that's that's one of the things. I mean, it's it goes truly to show how complete of a team Boston Bruins has had with that plus 72 goal differential. I believe if just looking at these uh, stats, the next closest is plus 40 by the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. That's a significant margin. That's that's what we call a giant lead. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, not that there aren't other really good teams in hockey, but are would you say the Boston Bruins potentially the in a class of their own when it comes to the National Hockey League? Oh, yeah, right now, 100%. I mean, they're, they're the team to beat. I mean, if you're looking at being competitive, who you want to take on, Boston's the one to beat. 
Boston goods, as some would say. <laughs> as, as we say, Boston good. Boston good. Going over to the Metropolitan Division, the Carolina Hurricanes currently lead the New Jersey Devils 62-61 to as those two continue to deck it out for top spot in that division with the Devils currently on a five-game winning streak as we are recording this. New York Rangers, not too far behind at 55 points, and the Washington Capitals sit there at 52 points. I can't stand New York fans. <laughs> so you and Andrew basically confirmed that this podcast is never going up to the Northeast. Ever. Yeah, basically. Andrew <laughs> solidified against Philly, and I'm just solidifying against New York when it comes to baseball and hockey. They are a um, outspoken bunch up there in the uh, Big Apple. Yeah. At least with football, I mean, they have nothing really to talk about. Hey, Gi- Giants won a playoff game this past weekend. <laughs> Throwing a little shade any way he can at the New York uh, New York area. Wow, the, the Rangers are really, though, one of the more historic teams in the National Hockey League, and... I wouldn't be surprised if they made a late-season push by any means. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see just kind of what they put together and fix. It's Again, it's what can you what can you make work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any final thoughts, though, in the world of hockey, Brendan? Or? Stars got to keep, like I said, be aggressive, but you also have to remember to protect the net. So, do you, do you think there's any potential moves coming up for the Stars or really anybody in the National Hockey League that you're kind of looking forward to potentially seeing? Uh, when it comes to the stars, not really. Again, I think it comes down to like they, we've kind of solidified who's playing on the team now. At this point, we're not moving as many people up or down anymore. I think it's the lineup set. It's just fake again. It's it's trying to piece together which night are you getting, you know? And so that's really where it's going to come down to. They just got to be a little bit more consistent on defense. Like I said, offense, I can't argue. They've been good. So, but defense is where it comes down. Fair enough. Dallas Stars looking to try to round into form here as we get into the second half of the season. When we come back, we'll swing it over to the association and talk some NBA. Well, like the Boston Bruins are good in the NHL, the Boston Celtics are also really good in the NBA. I mean, that's... Hasn't really been debated for the past couple of years. Now, just for just for the record, Boston, you don't have a problem with Boston, per se. No. Okay. Well. Even well, Red Sox fans, I mean, most of them are pretty fine for the most part. Outside the one that we know. No. <laughs> the one we know is just a contrarian. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, the Boston Celtics are currently holding the NBA's best record at 33-12. and 12. They've played a complete brand of basketball, and they currently hold the second longest win streak in the association, seem to kind of really balance themselves out after that kind of rocky second part of the season. And really ever since Christmas Day, they have really found their footing. And it, as of right now, I would really be shocked if there was any other favorite other than the Boston Celtics to win this year's NBA championship. And I mean, with the run they had last year, I mean, was there really much debate? I mean, they didn't have a whole lot of pieces that got moved around. No, they largely kept intact. They brought in... Uh, excuse me, Malcolm Brogdon mm-hmm. and from Indiana, uh, maybe some other, you know, role play, role pieces, excuse me, here and there. But for the most part, they believe in their guys, and that's been Boston's kind of mantra. A lot of times, and, you know, a lot of years through their development, you know, people were saying, do they need to trade Jalen Brown? Do they need to trade Marcus Smart? Do you need, you know, do they need to trade these draft picks? And throughout it all, Boston's kind of kept their core, let them grow, let them develop, let them, you know, become, you know, these NBA all-stars that they are now, and it's paying dividends. 
Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that's the thing, and that's what I find hilarious though in a lot of sports. Right, everyone's willing to be like, "Oh, this guy's straight out of high school or college or whatever." Oh man, they suck. We need to look at trading them off. It's like give them time to develop their game. They're yeah. playing at a higher level competition than they've been before. You got to let them adjust to it. Some people, sure, it'll snap and they just immediately go into it. Like Luca, for example, comes over to the NBA, just dominates. Right, you're going to get those people that are the one offs every now and then. Don't generational type. Yes. Yes. Just don't expect it with every single rookie that your team signs. You got to give them a minute, let them develop, let them learn the game, let them compete at a higher level and then go from there. Right. And to your point, I mean, Jason Tatum came out. I won't say he's quite Luca when he came in the league, but he was, he was damn near pretty close to Luca's level, at least when they were both rookies. And then slowly over time, Tatum's, you know, exceeded his game. Brown's another guy who's really developed. Marcus smart. Yep. As we know, but the Boston Celtics are thriving right now. And Nothing but hats off to them. The Brooklyn Nets, however, are lo- lost their last two without the presence of their best player, Kevin Durant, who is going to be sidelined for a few more weeks with that MCL sprain. We wish the best for Kevin Durant. Um, Shout out, Katie. I'm wearing his shoes right now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Showing support. You know, that Brooklyn's a part of New York, though, just so you know. Oh, I, I'm aware. Okay. just so Again, right. it's only the fans of certain teams okay. that I don't like. Okay. Well, at least we're maybe we're allowed in Boston and Brooklyn is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think Boston will accept us, right? <laughs> they got good food, good people. But the Brooklyn Nets, you know, despite everything, the turnaround from the Steve Nash to now the Jock Vaughn era, they've really got to make sure they're able to keep up, you know, at least some sort of pace and some sort of momentum with Kevin Durant out because right behind them, Milwaukee Bucks currently sit at the three seed, tied with them for uh, record-wise, uh, not record-wise, excuse me, um, games back from the Boston Celtics. You also have the Philadelphia 76ers and the Cleveland Cavaliers, Brendan. Cleveland! Lurking in the wings that could potentially dethrone the Brooklyn Nets' number two current seed. So definitely something to keep your eyes on there. The New York Knicks, also kind of a more surprising team after making the playoffs and reaching, I believe it was the... Um, not the conference, the semifinals, excuse me, the one right before the second round of the playoffs a couple of years ago and missing the postseason last year. They look to be back in form. They're currently sitting at six with Miami seven, Indiana Pacers eight, Allen Hawks nine, Chicago Bulls sitting at the 10 spot currently. The uh, Bulls. The uh, Bulls. Over to the Western Conference where we break down the team with the best winning streak and the team that I picked to come out of the Western Conference and represent the West in the NBA Finals, the Memphis Grizzlies. Currently have a 10-game winning streak. John Morant and, seem, and them seem to have found their footing. Listen, Memphis is one of those teams. They're young. They're cocky, but they're backing it up right now. And right now, you can't say anything about their performance other than, hey, you're, they're getting the job done. They're currently 19-3 and at home, only to be matched by the number one overall seed, the Denver Nuggets, who also share the same record at 30-30 and 13. So definitely something that the West – May see those two separate as they currently have a four and a half game advantage over the three seed New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, I mean that and what was it today is 136 to 106 against the Suns. Yeah, they're just they're stupid talented. And I, the Suns are banged up right now. They're not, you know, at their full capacity. Granted, they haven't looked that way all season, but yeah, Phoenix is a long, far away from what they used to be as a basketball team. Bro, Phoenix sports teams in general, like anything out in the desert, seems to be always suffering. 
It's, <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> I Look, you know, I, I don't want to just completely diss our desert audience, you know, but... I'm not dissing them. I'm just saying. Listen, all I'm saying is we haven't talked a lot about the Coyotes on this show. We haven't <laughs> talked a lot about the Suns unless it's been on a negative light. The Cardinals we've kind of ripped into this year. Hey, I avoid talking about the Coyotes because <laughs> that's all I'd have to say. If I got nothing good to say, don't yeah. say a thing at all. Yeah. And well, Coyotes fans definitely know the feeling. Yeah. They almost had their team stripped away from them multiple times. See? <laughs> it's rough. But, you know, listen, Phoenix, there is hope. Just maybe not this year <laughs> for your teams. Uh, else maybe they'll find uh, maybe some water in the desert to <laughs> pump some life in that team. <laughs> something, something. I don't know. Maybe when the Diamondbacks come back into season, maybe there'll be something. Yeah, hopefully it's not a mirage. Boom. <laughs> I really hope the mic picked that up. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> As we mentioned, the New Orleans Pelicans are currently sitting at the number three seed. That team's doing a really well job, especially with the injuries that they battled through. With all three of their star pieces going through injuries so far throughout the season, the Sacramento Kings... Yes, the Sacramento Kings, who currently hold the NBA's longest drought through, and actually, I forgot to mention this, they hold the longest drought in sports of not making the postseason after the Seattle Mariners recently broke, broke their streak. Now, the Sacramento Kings hold the longest streak in all four pro-American sports leagues with the longest playoff drought. They currently set the number four seed in the Western Conference. Wow. 18 years, I believe, if, if I have it memorized off the top of my head. Well, it's like uh, <laughs> they hold a different kind of candle to Seattle. <laughs> but um, uh, elsewhere, we got the Dallas Mavericks, the hometown team of this podcast, currently sitting at the fifth seat at uh, seven games back of the Denver Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies, followed by the LA Clippers, the Golden State Warriors, Utah Jazz, Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Portland Trailblazers rounding out the top ten. Dallas is a really interesting team because you know they've they've done some things. And they finally seem to make the adjustments that Andrew and many other Dallas Mavericks fans hope that they would make. They're giving Christian Wood more minutes, more specifically inserting him into the starting role. Jaden Hardy, who is somebody that Dallas Mavericks fans have been craving, been pleading to get more minutes, have finally seemed to get his uh, shine a little bit. He's putting up career highs, it seems like, every other night. And Dallas seems to be rolling. Are they quite the team, though, Are uh, the capabilities of maybe the top teams in the West? We'll see, but when you have Luka Doncic, you're never really truly out of it, are you? Yeah, but I feel like here, here's the Mavs strategy. Give Luka the ball, give Luka the ball, give Luka the ball. It's and that's the only player that's basically out there. When you're looking at it, I'd say, so like, if I'm ranking different players in tiers, right? Luka's tier one, of course. Mm-hmm. I don't have a tier two. I don't even think I'd have a tier three player with you're, how inconsistent people are. You're saying on the Mavericks roster? Yes. I Okay, so it depends on like how far and how wide your tiers are, because that's kind of like an open-ended question. Um, you know, because you could really say, all right, tier two is people, players six through ten, in which case, I mean, how many teams have that? Yeah, but let's also look at it where it's like people would have like a wide open shot, but then they're giving Luca the ball. It's true. but Because I mean, Luka, they don't have faith well, in it, their own abilities. Well, it's just they don't – it's hard to say because Luca, and I don't mean to go hyperbolic here, but he really is a basketball genius. He, on a nine-to-nine basis, may have one – maybe two possessions where you sit there and be like, all right, that was a bad play on Luka. Outside of that, he's usually either taking the right shot, he's getting the right guy open, Mm -hmm. he's setting the right play up somehow or another. So I get it from Kid's perspective that you really don't want to take the ball out of his hands because there's not even a player that comes close to when the ball's in their hands and everything. It, you know, it works the way that Luka does. However, 
it's something that whenever you get into the postseason and whenever you get into the deep, you know, really the trials and tribulations of the NBA season, Luka is just human as just anybody else. And no matter how many condition you do, it tends to wear on you and teams yep. kind of play around you. Yes, they made the Western Conference Finals last year. I don't know if this team has the capabilities of doing that again. Luka needs help. I he mean, because all you're doing is you're putting him in there for almost the whole, the whole game. If Like, literally, that's he's your only player out there. He needs help. He's going to get wear and tear. He's going to get tired. He's not going to look as great the farther you go into a game. He needs help. I I hate to be, because it's, it's one of those things that we talked about with the Boston Celtics early on. The Mavericks can be patient, because if they don't trade their first-round draft pick this year, they can occur, because the NBA, their trade packages in the mm-hmm. CBA are a certain way. They can include, uh, they can send out the largest trade package that an NBA team can, essentially with first-round picks, draft yeah. capital, all this other stuff, next year in a, in attempts to try to get a player that can complement Luka Doncic and maybe propel this Mavericks team to levels that they hope to get to. So I would be shocked, personally, Knowing that information, if the Mavericks really do make a move before the trade deadline, this office or this trade deadline, but you know, again, if Luke and them really start rolling, they just feel like maybe they're just one piece away from being, you know, somewhere near the Denver Nuggets or the Memphis Grizzlies or you know the Clippers or the Golden State Warriors or something like that. They may make, they may have to make that move, but only time will tell. Yeah, if they do. And I again, my whole thing is get Lucas some help. I think so too. I think Wood was a step in the right direction. I, I like the direction they're going. They've got some complimentary pieces around him, but I would really like a secondary ball handler that you're able to trust to run the offense whenever Luka goes to the bench. That or even put two of them in, and then when you have Luka pulling two-man coverage on him. They're, they're normally pretty good with that, um, you know, especially giving Spencer Dinwiddie the chances that he gets. But, again, and Spencer Dinwiddie is a really good NBA player. Yeah. He's not the level that you would hope a secondary ball handler could be. Yep, and that's just, again, that's what I mean by... Go get him some help. Fair enough. Anything else from the world of the association? Are we ready to transit over to college basketball? We're ready for some good old college basketball. We'll be back with that after this. So we said Boston good, Boston good. Houston good? Yeah. <laughs> the Houston Cougars are currently the number one seed or the number one team in the AP top 25 most recent poll. They've been on fire this season. Currently holding a 17-1 and record, leading all the other Division I college basketball teams, followed by the defending national champion Kansas Jayhawks at number two. Rock, per- talk. Rock. Jayhawk. <laughs> Purdue Boilermakers sitting in at number three at 16-1. and Alabama, not just a football school. Sitting at number four at fifteen and two, and UCLA Bruins currently round out the top five. Alabama's got some other stuff going on too that they're known for now. Apparently, <sighs> it's it's a really and I want to be be careful here. You know, with how we talk about the situation. Uh, for those of you who hadn't heard, one of their basketball players uh, has been arrested and charged with. I believe that the term was capital murder. Or yeah. is it? I think that's what they call it over there, capital uh, murder. And I don't want to, because I I'm blanking on the dude's name, so I don't want to misquote or put it out there. But this player and another uh, man were arrested in connection to the murder of a 23 year old Alabama native, and we wish the family um, and her uh, the you know obviously the, our thoughts and 
prayers and everything are with them during this time. Darius Miles. Darius Miles. Okay. And we, who we was arrested. Yes. And we hope that justice is served and that, you know, the law, you know, hands out the appropriate punishment for those who truly did commit the crime and everything. And it's a very sensitive situation. There's not a lot of information out on there. So I don't want to speak about it too much, but to, to Brennan's point, yes, it's a very serious situation going down there in Tuscaloosa right now. Yeah, with uh, it's a weird year for college basketball <laughs> with everything happening off the court. It is, and it's something that we just want to remind you know folks again that you know we are a nice escape away from sports, but at the same time you gotta you gotta sit there and bring up the the topics that need to be addressed, and you know reinforce that hey we don't obviously condone the actions of those individuals off the court, and we hope justice gets brought to uh, the families. So, getting back into a lighter note, though. Uh, Houston good. Yeah, Houston's good. <laughs> Houston's good. Kansas good. Purdue good. Alabama good. UCLA good. Gonzaga, after their kind of rough start, especially at the beginning of the year, with some early tournament losses, they currently sit at number six at 16-3. Texas currently sits at number seven at 15-2. and two. Xavier Man, Xavier just always seems to be just kind of in the thick of things, don't they? Just, they like to linger around, you know. A little bit. Tennessee, the Volunteers, again, not just a football school. This basketball team is really good. They currently sit at number nine. And rounding up the top ten is Virginia. <laughs> As we are currently recording this during the NFL wildcard Monday night matchup, super NFL wildcard matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and Brendan Car- uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Brendan Car- <laughs> I'm playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. All you're, right. you're taking on the whole Cowboys. All right. Yeah, that, that play just kind of got me and you both a little. Uh, well, Dak decided to try to run the ball, and then instead of just sliding before he got hit, he was going to jump over, and he took air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looks disheveled now. As we, you know, score is 12 to nothing here in favor of the Cowboys with under two minutes remaining here in the first half. Running in the world of college basketball, though, we are, you know, we're getting into, uh, we're getting into conference play. We're getting into where, you know, college basketball is going to be something that we're going to be really talking about a lot. I just need OU in it. On this podcast. So you're rooting, for, obviously, you're, you know, you're now an Oklahoma Sooner student as of today, right? Uh, technically, it starts tomorrow, but oh, but you you are technically an uh, OU. I am student. enrolled already, so you are a an official Sooner. Yep. How do you feel about your Oklahoma Sooners in the world of college basketball? So as I say this every year, they like to play up or down to their competition. <laughs> Just don't really blow out any teams, but also don't get blown out. Basically, so and they've been they've been doing good at it. I mean, again, it's just one of those. Why is it a lot of my teams have to be inconsistent? It's always <laughs> consistently inconsistent with my teams. It's the world you picked in being a sports fan. I just don't remember <laughs> signing up for all this nonsense lately. Yeah, that's usually the way it goes. I just, again. OU's a football school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a baseball school. And even gymnastics. Basketball's always been on kind of the back end for them. After Blake Griffin... Trey Young, you know, brought y'all to an NCAA double tournament. Sure. <laughs> and then what? <laughs> See? <laughs> no, I just thought I'm trying to give your credit more program. I mean, your program more credit. God, can I speak today? No, English. You cannot. You I cannot. I am, it, I am struggling here. And it's just one of those things, right? So it's just, oh, he's just going to be that school that's, again, you're known for football. 
baseball, softball, sure, mm-hmm. completely dominant in. Right. Not so much basketball. Not so much basketball. <laughs> Gotta love it. Uh, definitely some surprising. I, I won't call them too surprising, but the fact that UConn doing as well as they did at the start uh, start off the season, we were talking about them potentially being a threat in the NCAA tournament. They've dropped down nine spots in the AP poll all the way down to 15th. Uh, definitely something you don't want to see if you're a Huskies fan. On the flip side of things, the Clemson Tigers. Again, we're talking about a lot of schools that are normally <laughs> we talk about for college football. Clemson has risen up in the ranks. They're all the way up to number 19 in the nation. Oh, shoot. How about Michigan State almost beating Purdue? Purdue, they they arguably have the best player in the country. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State with Tom Izzo, you always have to respect. And Lord Almighty, they made it tough for the Boilermakers in that one. I think it was, what, 64-63? Yeah, 64-63. Yeah, so definitely a nail-biter in that one. And honestly, games that are happening right now in January, you know, and the games that have been happening in December and the ones that are going to continue to happen into February. And when March comes around, we're going to be looking back on it when some teams are on the bubble – that could be the difference between, you know, someone making the tournament and someone missing out. Yeah, and, I mean, let's look at what are some of the games tomorrow. you got Houston versus Tulane. Uh, we'll see if Tulane can also be a basketball school. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, Kansas, Kansas State. Uh-oh. That'll be a good one. I know Andrew's going to be paying attention to that one. Yep, you got Tennessee, Mississippi State. Good one. Texas and Iowa State. That'll be a good one. Oh, yeah. Battle of the two top 12 programs currently. Mm-hmm. And then Bama, Vanderbilt, and Penn State and Wisconsin. So that's kind of the lineup for tomorrow's games. Yeah, definitely something to keep your eye on throughout the week. We've got a lot of ranked matchups here on this college basketball season. Providence and Marquette later this week as well. <sighs> Man, college basketball is here and it is good. I am so happy because March Madness is one of the craziest just tournaments and sports, and it's something that we all kind of rally around. Everyone's making brackets and everything. I just can't wait. Like, Yeah, we have to figure out, are we going to do paper brackets, or what are we doing? This we year? are definitely doing, like, we come in, and before, like, we, we start the pod. Okay. Or 100%. And like, then we'll go through it? Yeah, 100%. I'm going to create some different ones. Once I'm just going to go by yeah. which teams do I like their logo more. <laughs> and then I'm going to do my serious ones. Heck yeah, those are the ones that always <laughs> win for some reason. I don't get it. You, to be fair, you're not wrong. It's to like, oh, fair. I like this color, so I'm choosing that one. And it's like, what? Oh, uh, after all that knowledge that Brendan <laughs> clearly <laughs> just dropped about college basketball, are you ready to talk about some NFL playoff action, Brendan? Absolutely. Let's, Let's get, get in. into it. Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to get into it. We're going to be talking about a lot of NFL. We're going to dive into really every matchup. I say, since our team's currently playing the NFC, we'll save those towards the end. Sure. And we'll start off with the AFC. I mean, we can just, I just say go in order with the games that they happen. Well, then. All right. If we want to, all right, I'll rip off my band aid first. You know what? That's fine. It's easier just to get it done ahead of time. <sighs> I was trying to avoid it, but all right. Hey. Get, yes. The first game of Super NFL Wild Card Weekend was the Seattle Seahawks taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And the 49ers won 41-23. to So, like I told you before, I was really conflicted on who to cheer for. And the reason why is because, you know, Seattle's your team, sure. Geno Smith, it's, it's a good, good story, right? The man never wrote back, made it to playoffs. Awesome. He accomplished so much this year. I'm so proud of him. 
but I like the story more of Mr. Irrelevant taking his team all the way. It's just so it's too good not to happen. See, I picked the Niners to win this game. Oh, uh, you as did. Most of America did. And it pained me to do that because I just knew San Francisco is a better team from top to bottom. They are. And it still just annoyed the absolute crap out of me. The fact that we were up at halftime and we were coming out third quarter. We were looking like we could potentially, you know, add on to the lead or, you know, all that other stuff. And then, you know, someone grabs an ankle. Fires up another team. Someone fumbles the ball. (laughs) And just the San Francisco onslaught of 25 straight before we were able to get a last-minute touchdown just to kind of save our pride there in the second half. Yeah. Oh, it just hurts my soul. Like, it's... Look, Seattle's got a lot to be proud of. And, you know, Geno Smith, as you mentioned, didn't write back. He had himself a really good playoff game. Second half kind of faltered a little bit. I think San Francisco's defense just woke up and realized what they were dealing with. Um, Because Geno and the Seahawks, they can move the ball when they need to. Uh, Kenneth Walker had a solid game. You know, was able to get the score the first touchdown. Bro, DK in first quarter. Samuel. Yeah. I mean, it was just a battle of two of the NFL's preeminent Wide receivers. DK Metcalf, 10 catches for 136 yards. Two touchdowns for the Seahawks. Devo Samuel, six catches, 133 yards and a touchdown. But it's it's more than that for the Niners. Because with Christian McCaffrey, with Devo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. Dogs. Trent Williams. Dog. George Kittle. Dog. (laughs) And I'm just going to say it. Brock Purdy. Bro. The man is undefeated. I love it. Starter. And it's just I love it. And and you know, now that we're in winner go home territory, unselfishly and as unbiased as I possibly can be as an NFL fan with this, it is a really nice story to try to see what will happen and what will unfold with this seventh round <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant rookie from Iowa State. The man who thought he would never play for a very long time. If at all. Thrown if into ever. the starting position to shine. And man, is he shining. With a team with Super Bowl aspirations. And this, he's playing up to it. Yeah. And look, there was a couple throws that, you know, he showed his... Rookie. His rookiness. Let's yeah. call it that way. Like, there was one he, uh, on the long pass to, uh, excuse me, Jawan Jennings down the sideline. Uh, that was nearly intercepted by Quandre Diggs. Yep. That ball's got to be near the sideline. You mm-hmm. can't have Diggs be within inches of making a play on that ball. Now, granted, it worked out, and that's great. Hey, the man didn't throw an interception. I just <laughs> and look, I, I get that, but you just, listen. And it, Shanahan and the Niners—they don't have a choice. They're riding with this guy. Yeah, they're well, they're again, with a ship. Like we said, he's a rookie, but he's an undefeated rookie at this point, and I th- he has a hundred percent earned the right to play for that starting role next season. I. I don't know if we've talked. I know I've talked to you off, off pod, mm-hmm. but I don't know if we've talked about it on pod. To me, he's better than Jimmy G. hundred percent. If I'm like right now, right now, hundred percent. Yeah, I'm taking him over Jimmy G. Trey Lance, he's been injured and he's only played really like in total three games in his first two years. Yeah, and I don't. He's just I don't know because I haven't seen enough of him. At what point? So if Rock Purdy wins the Super Bowl, he's your starter going into I, next you year. You have to right. Because you just can't, you know, go to your locker room and be like, hey, we're still rolling with the guy that we gave third, three first-round picks to. That's like when the Eagles were like, hey, yeah, okay. Carson Wentz got hurt, so Nick Foles took over, took us and won the Super Bowl for us. But we're going to go back with Carson Wentz, guys. Like, that's not good for your locker room. And I'm glad you brought that up because I was about to go there next. Nick Foles, to your, to your point, came in, took over the job from Carson Wentz, 
won the Super Bowl, delivered the job. The More Chiefs. than delivered for a backup. Yeah. No, del- and yeah. Won them a Super Bowl, got them a Super Bowl MVP. There's a statue currently outside the link. Yeah. Of Nick Foles' honor. He then go gets he then gets signed to Jacksonville. Yep. A team that does not have all the weapons that Philly had and the infrastructure and the offensive line, the defense and everything. And to be fair, a team that really didn't need him at that time and needed to work well, on some other things. Well, they they did need they needed a quarterback. And they they took a swing and they were like, Hey, we think you could be our guy. And he wasn't. And what I what I'm trying to get at here is while Brock Purdy is performing out of his skis right now, there is a point that you got to sit there and there's only one of two options that are happening right now. Either A, Brock Purdy Tom Brady. is like, <laughs> yeah, the, ne- the, the second coming of Tom Brady slash Kurt Warner if you don't want to go all the way up to Tom Brady status. Or this offense under Kyle Shanahan with all these weapons, all these all pros everywhere is on defense is as bout of quarterback safe proof as it gets. Well, eh. and maybe you just can't throw interceptions. Well, and it's well, it's and to be honest, hey, listen, Jimmy G in his postseason career, he started six games. Yeah, he's got four four touchdowns, and six interceptions. The Niners have made two NFC cha- or yeah, two NFC Championship games and a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo. So even then, you could throw interceptions and still work in this offense. Yeah. And it's just, I, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Like, I don't think Brady, or excuse me, Purdy is Brady. But I also don't think he's, you know, it's completely all in Shanahan. But how much of it, we'll just have to wait and see. I think his game, from right now what we're seeing, his game will develop better with time. I and hope he stays it's with Shanahan, not, yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> he needs to stay there. It's working. Yeah. So I, I don't want to see him regress and become one of those, oh, yeah, he came and there he goes, like a Nick Foles story, right? I'm telling you, it could very well happen. It could, and that's just welcome to the world of sports, right? <sighs> welcome to the world of sports, indeed. Uh, Just briefly on the Seattle side here before we get over to whatever that was in Jacksonville. Hey, you got your new QB uh, for I, life. Geno Smith, it is rumored that Seattle is looking to extend him. Or franchise tag him. Or franchise tag him at worst. Uh, Pete's came out in, you know, uh, postseason are now, yeah, for the Seahawks postseason press conferences or offseason press conferences, mm-hmm. saying that he wants to work on the front seven. He wants to try to bridge the gap between them and the 49ers in the division. And more than likely, Seattle is going to use their two first-round picks on defense. If not, you know, maybe trade back, try to get more picks, whatever. Maybe See, maybe a wide receiver down the road. Who knows? Seattle, I'm just going to sit here and say this. And listen, I love Geno Smith. I love his story and everything. Geno Smith is a plus 30-year-old quarterback who just had the season of his life <laughs> after being a career, after a career backup that has bounced around uh-huh. multiple teams around this league. He is not going to do it again. All I'm saying is, is if, all right, you know, you sign him to a team-friendly deal, maybe, you know, front-load that money, and it's two, three-year deal, I can live with that. That's something I would have done regardless. He's earned that. Whatever. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see what that contract looks like for Gino. I'm going to be very interested. because he, He's going to go after money, which rightfully so. You know, and he said it, too. He wants to stay in Seattle. Yeah. But, well... <sighs> Man, uh, it's a weird it's a weird spot. It is. Cuz if he if he commands anything north of 
really even 35. I'm I'd say you can do a good 25 to 30 mil for 2 years. Honest to it's God. Relatively cheap. Honest to God. I may mention this to you. I may mention this to Andrew. Three years, front loaded, hundred million. So it's roughly like thirty three point three million a year. That's yeah. like a, the high end, but I feel like it's very fair. With about somewhere between sixty and seventy five million guaranteed. Yeah, front loaded. And then you're gonna have your bonuses say like, oh, you take us to playoffs or whatever, right? Right, exactly. You, you have yeah. those bonuses in there again. Exactly. Maybe, maybe make it a five million bonuses for different things, right? Because he's earned that. So, but like again, he's what is he thirty one, thirty two? Yeah, and just now finally <laughs> had a season where he thrives. I get it. Pete loves him, and the guys love him, and everything. And I listen. I it's I working. do. I embrace it, but at the same time, I'm also realistic, and I'm also a fan who I'm gonna hold my team accountable when I sit there and I see them do things that I don't agree with. Hey, you know, I heard Jimmy G might be available. Let's move on to the next game. <laughs> How the, about <sighs> the ch- how, how do you choke? <laughs> it's Chargers going to Charger, man. Is, what is it? Matt Ryan again? Matt Ryan strike? So if you somehow were living under a rock and are only hearing about the Los Angeles Chargers versus Jacksonville Jaguars playoff game now. Through us. Through <laughs> us. The Los Angeles Chargers got out to a 27 to nothing early oh. lead in the first half. In large part, due to Trevor Lawrence, it's seeming like forgetting how to play football. Playing the worst football, I'm going to say it. I didn't watch him in Pop Warner. I didn't watch him in, you know, middle school. Didn't really watch him in high school. Haven't, I mean, saw him at Clemson. That was the worst football half, I'm guessing, in his life that he had in that first half. Man, let me tell you, though, he woke up. In the second half, leading five scoring drives out of five total drives in the second half with the last one being a game-winning field goal drive that officially put the Jacksonville Jaguars into the divisional round of the NFL postseason, knocking off Los Angeles Chargers 31-30. to I've got so much I want to talk about this game, but Brendan, I want to get your thoughts first because I'm about to, like, unleash, but this game just absolutely blew my mind, and I'm still recovering. I'm just happy that... His rookie year is going very well for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because last year is not, a, as we that does said not multiple times, it did not count. Does not. So I'm just happy that his rookie year, he figured it out quick in this game. Because if you actually go back and you look at all the touchdowns, passes. Every single one. Yeah. I mean, and he, he was mixing in everyone. You had Evan Ingram. You had... Uh, Marvin Jones Jr., Zaya Jones, Christian Kirk. Like, you didn't know who the ball was going to, basically. And that's what I like to see is he's able to, he's looking for opportunities. That's what you want from your quarterback. You want him to make plays. He obviously was struggling in the first half. I don't know what that locker room talk was, but apparently it worked. (sighs) All right. Let me get this out of the way first. As you know, we made our preseason predictions of the NFL season. Oof. I had a certain team from Los Angeles winning the Super Bowl this year. Oof. And that team at least made the playoffs, unlike, you know, the other LA team. Ooh, shots fired. I'm just saying. 
To be fair, that team is. To be fair. Was it Aaron Darnold now might be retired, might not be, who knows, from that tweet thing. Man, that's a whole other subject that we could dive into. <laughs> and, oh, man. Los Angeles Chargers. I picked them to win the Super Bowl over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are currently getting their teeth kicked in by the Dallas Cowboys right now. Yeah. And look, I you know, this year thought a little differently, had a little hot streak going, thought I could be outsmart myself. I got humbled this year. And rightfully when we made our playoff predictions, I hopped off the Chargers bandwagon faster than you could say LA. Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, the defense, all of it. However you want to divide up the blame pie. Bro, Staley needs to be gone. As it were. He needs to be in Thailand. (laughs) With Cleet Kingsbury. Yep. I agree. Whatever the reason is, Charger's going to Charger. And as of this point, you know, I like Justin Herbert. Chargers are a fun team to watch. Brandon Staley, I thought, was ahead of his time. But I just, I cannot for the life of me anymore I don't know what to. I don't know what I get from this team. As you mentioned, Brendan Staley needs to be gone. Yeah. They just they came out today and it said more than likely Staley will be gone with some changes made on the staff. Staley let the media and others bully him into becoming the coach that he wasn't. He large part came into this league and made his mark by being aggressive, by using analytics, not being afraid to go for it on fourth down, having an attacking style defense. All of it. And yes, the Chargers dealt with injuries this year. Yes, there's stuff that happens. It's the NFL. You got to live with it. You got to be able to adapt. The Chargers were 100%, in my opinion, the better team on paper than Jacksonville. But it didn't look like it. Yeah. And I, I don't know what Staley is at this point. Because if you're not, there was plenty of chances in that second half for you to go and be aggressive on fourth down. There were so many chances where they were in the red zone and settled for field goals that the old Brandon Staley would not do. And I just, for I I don't have any faith in this team going forward with Brandon Staley as the head coach. Herbert, for the record, listen, he didn't necessarily play a bad game, but if you are have a 27-0 lead and you only score three points the rest of the way, some of the blame's got to go on you. Yeah. Some of it does. I mean, they couldn't get anything going in that second half. Nothing. The run couldn't do anything. Passing couldn't do anything. It Again, it was just all around. They had eight total rushes in the second half. Yeah. The Chargers did. One of them went for like 10 yards. I think like yeah. half of them went for negative. I mean, they abandoned the run, that's for sure. Which, the, the fact obviously, that it wasn't working. Austin Eckler, for as talented as he is, I think he had the most touchdowns in the league this year. He is not somebody that you sit down there and give the ball to and say, hey, drain this clock for us. He's not that guy. Well, and then, because Williams was out with an injury, correct? Yes, Mike Williams with the back injury, yes. So that was already hindering him to begin with. Yeah. The fact that you did that in a meaningless game, that already morales blows the team. But Asante Samuel now is the second in active players in interceptions Mm -hmm. after getting three on Trevor Lawrence. Mm Mm-hmm. I've been talking a lot of negative Los Angeles. They need to go reassert themselves. They need to figure some crap out. Uh, to be honest, Herbert and Staley, they kind of take a backseat for me a little bit in terms of like sliding down a little bit. Here's the final thing I'll say. Doug Peterson is the right head coach. Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall pick that we all thought he would be. 
Brennan, I'm going to say something because I mentioned to it to you. I believe it was either last pod or it was sometime off the pod, but I want to make it official. I had Trevor Lawrence going into this game. I mean, you argued about it, mm-hmm. but I had Trevor Lawrence as a top five quarterback. After that performance, what he did through the resiliency, through the everything that he battled through. Granted, yes, he put them in the hole. I understand. But it, he did everything he could and got him out of it as well, knowing everything that he did. I'm just going to say this. The top four quarterbacks in the NFL are all playing in the divisional round for the AFC. I believe number one is Patrick Mahomes. I've got number two, Joe Burrow. I've got number three, Josh Allen. And as of this current moment, the number four quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, is Trevor Lawrence of Jacksonville Jaguars. Listen, there's plenty of people you could argue. I personally thought Herbert was up there. I was wrong. You could argue Jalen Hurts. We'll see what his you know playoff looks like this upcoming week against the New York Giants. For once, I'm rooting for an Eagles team. <laughs> I got Trevor Lawrence right now. He's my fourth best quarterback. Yeah, which I mean, we had debates. The man needed his due, so I think this was as impressive a showing as anyone had in the postseason. A hundred percent. So I am happy for them. Again, he's having a great rookie year. That's <laughs> like we'll keep saying. And Urban Meyer can be sitting wherever he's at, watching about how he screwed. He's up probably that in job. Thailand too. No, is, is that <laughs> probably just where all the coaches go? Once they lose their job. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right. Now we got to talk. Because we talked about my Super Bowl preseason favorite or pick. Now we got to talk about yours, sir. Do you want to talk about close game? Go ahead. Break it down for me. So I chose the Bills to win and go all the way to the Super Bowl. At least they won their first leap towards that way against Miami Dolphins. Thankfully, Miami was out to us, so it made it a little bit easier for them to get through that stepping stone. But, man, was it too close. Why was it too close, Brendan? Listen. (laughs) Josh Allen had three touchdowns. He did? 352 yards. Uh Uh-huh. 23 for 39. It's pretty good. Yeah. So... There's something else on that stat. Ah, there ain't no other stats we need to talk about there. Oh, I think there is. No. I think there is. So Thompson had two interceptions. You know who else had two interceptions? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Good old Joshy Poo. Hey. Good old Josh Allen. The man's allowed to have a hiccup or two. Brendan, I'm going to name three quarterbacks. The man's allowed to have a hiccup or two. I'm going to name three quarterbacks. You tell me what's the common denominator between all three. One of them is Josh Allen. Great quarterback right there, tell you what. Another one is Justin Fields. Hey, you know, good quarterback. Another one's Matt Ryan. What do you think all three of those guys have in common? Listen, I wouldn't compare Matt Ryan with anyone. They're in in this category. (laughs) What do you think all three of those guys have in common? I don't know. They have nothing in common in my book. Oh, they do, my friend. They all play quarterback? They do. Yeah, there we go. That's what they have in common. I knew it. Josh Allen, Justin Fields, and Matt Ryan are the top three in the NFL in combined turnovers on the season, with Allen being the lead man. Listen. One 
of those players is a second-year young stud in Justin Fields. Listen. One of them is a fossil or whatever is left of Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan just someone needs old yeller style at this point. Like, just let the man retire. And the other one is Josh Allen, who leads the NFL, by the way, in total combined turnovers between interceptions and fumbles. Hey, but the man is fantastic, too, at the yes. same time. And just like Brett Favre, because Brett Favre is fantastic. Hey, that Brett Favre know how to throw football. And Jeff George, fantastic. As well, to a lesser extent. Josh Allen, we talked about all year how the Bills, if they didn't develop a running game outside of Josh Allen, this could be a really big downfall for them. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, James Cook had a 12-yard run for a touchdown. Yeah, great. That was really about it, though, for the run game. No, listen, Singletary and Cook did their thing. My point is is that... Singletary had 48 yards for 10 carries. My point is, Brendan, (laughs) Josh Allen... Needed to start looking at him in the mirror a little bit. Because, man, it was home. He was letting it fly. And there could have been more chances for interceptions and turnovers and opportunities. Josh Allen single-handedly kept this Miami Dolphins team with Skylar Thompson in the game when Skylar Thompson went 18 of 45. Hey, Josh Allen took the approach of Diggs is down there somewhere. He'll find it. Yeah, and he did find him once. He also he, found he a found couple. him seven times for 114 yards. He, uh, he found also a couple of Miami Dolphins and hey. probably should have found them a little bit more too. All that matters, they overcame adversity. Oh, yeah, you're a big quarterback wins guy. They won. Big quarterback wins guy. All I'm saying is he didn't do a check down. If Josh Allen, <laughs> okay, if you're comparing Josh Allen to Kirk Cousins, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. You're telling me don't compare Matt Ryan to anybody. Don't compare Josh Allen to Kirk Cousins. Oh, Kirk Cousins had a hell of a game, but he, again, the black, oh, I'll get into that in a minute. Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. The biggest part of their saving grace is that Cincinnati Bengals' offensive line is beat up. Oh, yeah. And they're going to be able to attack that front it's, for the Bengals. You're going to force Burrow to be running. If Josh Allen plays like that against Cincinnati... They're going home next week. I don't think he's going to play like that. I think this was kind of one of those offshoots. All right. We'll sit there, and we'll see. Because Josh, listen, the further away he's gotten from Brian Dayball, the more erratic and the more he's looked like the first two years of the league Josh Allen that he's become. Yeah, they'll figure it out. You believe so. But your team is still in it. So we will see how they look in the next round against those Cincinnati Bengals. I just want Diggs to get a ring. Could very well happen. Moving on over, Brennan, you made me tear off my Band-Aid. I think it's time for you to tear off yours, sir. Bro, why why have they got to give me some hope? I said either blowout or Super Bowl. And they had to keep it a close game the whole time. And the one time we lose by a one-score drive, we were 11-0 with one-score drives the whole year. 11-0. And I was like, oh, man, we're real close to the end zone. We got, what, less than two minutes on the clock? I was like, Minnesota can do this. Come on. We've been doing it all year long. And what is Kirk Cousins going to do? What is he going to do? A check down. Why are we doing a check down on four and, what, eight? Fourth and eight. Yeah. yeah. Why? I don't know, man. He played such a good game. And then he does something so stupid. When you have Adam Thielen, who's basically cooking it, the guy behind him, he's a good, what, two, three steps ahead of his person? Just air it out down there, and it would have been a touchdown. Done. I Diggs. Think, 
or not Diggs, excuse me, Justin Jefferson was even a little bit ahead of his guy. You could just throw a quick bullet to Justin Jefferson, get the first down. What are we doing? What are we doing indeed? That loss was on the defense, and people are like, you can't blame Kirk Cousins. He played a hell of a game. Sure, he played a hell of a game. And then when you go and make a decision, you make a dumb decision like that to lose your game. Yep. I don't understand it. That play was meant to be for you to throw farther down the field. Not a check down. Again, like I said, other than his just, I don't know, the idiocracy on that decision there, it was, he was 31 for 39. Great. 273 yards. Also great. Two touchdowns. Great. Ran one and two. He did. That's what I said. Great. Until the final play that matters, he has to go and remember, who am I? I'm Kurt Cousins. I think he predetermined on that play he was going to Hawkinson. Don't do that. He was by far the most targeted receiver uh, of the Minnesota Vikings group at 11 targets, although Jefferson did have nine. Hawkinson ended up with 10 for 129 on the day. Yeah. And run game was non-existent. And I, at this point, either look at moving on from Cook or something. Alvin Cook. 16 carries, 60 yards. Unacceptable. Averaging four yards carry. It's not bad. Unacceptable not with bad. a veteran running back like that. 15 for 60 is not terrible. At least it was more than Daniel Jones. <laughs> Daniel Jones. More than New York because Daniel Jones was the only runner on their team. Man had 17 carries for 78 yards. Hey, listen. Danny Dimes. Brian Dayball is officially the quarterback whisperer of the NFL. Apparently. I don't. Daniel Jones was thought of, and I was one of them. He may not be in the league this time next year. And Brian Dayball took him, took him under his wing, got the turnovers down. He saw something that I guess no one else did. 24-35, 300 yards, two touchdowns. Saquon also added a couple touchdowns on the ground for the Giants. As a New York Giants, man. I just, when I made those predictions, I know you were angry because, you know, went against your team and everything. Giants were a more complete team, man. Their defense, to me, was really what stepped up for them. I believe that they're young, but they've got a lot of pieces. their defense wasn't even that great this game. They weren't, but they they did enough. They made enough plays when it mattered. All it was is they basically stopped the run, is what it really came down to. Yeah, and they got a young secondary, so. which they'll work on. They will. It's just ridiculous. I I want Kurt gone. I've been wanting Kurt gone. People are like, how could you say Kurt's... I, we overpay him. Yeah. Get a cheaper contract, Kurt, so we can actually develop a team. I'm looking up Dalvin Cook's contract. I know Kirk Cousins, basically, there's no way. Oh, my gosh. There's nothing we can do. We're stuck with just the ridiculous amount of money. And my lord, Tony Pollard almost ran it in for a touchdown, getting hit like seven times. It really helped the Wi-Fi was quicker in this place. Yeah, probably. (laughs) There it is. All right. So, Dalvin Cook, if you were to cut him, uh, dead cap hit about $6.2 That's not bad. Yeah. I'll take it. It's not. It's actually not really that terrible, to be honest. Let's I think go, it's, let's go draft a rookie or something. And I don't know if that's. I think that's post the 2023 season. So you're pretty much stuck with Kirk and Dalvin Cook for one more year. It looks like. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe draft draft defense, draft a running back. Maybe pick up another wide receiver since KJ Osborne can't catch something thrown straight at his chest. <sighs> the one drop you're going to be bad at for KJ Osborne <laughs> again. Play like crap early and then 
make plays at the end to win. I'm okay with that. That's the Minnesota way. It has been apparently. (laughs) It was the whole season. Oh, man. The New York Giants are moving on the NFC. At least you you know what? We both got through our pain. Bro, I just... I would rather them have gotten blown out by 40 again. Don't get my hopes up like that. That's what's more irritating. As we go into the Sunday night game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals, the Bengals did lose uh, starting left tackle, excuse me, for the Bengals, who dislocated his kneecap. So definitely not something you want to hear. Been there, done that. Yeah, definitely not something you want to hear. It sucks. If you're a Bengals fan. But Joe Burrow, if anybody, knows what it's like playing behind really bad offensive lines. (laughs) And he did enough to let them um, lead the Bengals, excuse me, on to the divisional round as they defeat the Baltimore Ravens 24 to 17. Burrow was okay. You know, Shamar Chase caught a touchdown. Burrow did what he needed to do. He managed the game well. Mason didn't really have a good game. This was a very defensive contested bout. And you always kind of get that with Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore plays Cincinnati tough. Seems like every time they play him. And it was no different in this one. And late in the ball game, when it seemed like the Baltimore Ravens may have a chance to actually steal and make an upset in Cincinnati, Tyler Huntley tries the quarterback little lunge jump over the line, and the ball gets knocked out into the hands of Sam Hubbard, who returns it 98 yards for a touchdown, and ultimately was the difference. Did he? Sorry, I'm watching. Yeah, we were watching the Cowboys game. Michael Gallup just got a touchdown, but I'm trying to figure out if he touched the back of the end zone or not with how that Did camera angle. Did he step angle. out of bounds? Yeah. That's what I'm trying to figure out because that how that camera angle made it look, it made it look real on edge there. Right Cow- now it's 24 nothing Cowboys. Maybe they will move on from their first round. <laughs> this would have to be the first. I, I'm willing to bet. I Don't quote me on this. This might be the first road playoff win if they finish the job since like before me and you were born. Which is crazy. Yeah, 100%. I mean, because uh, I mean, who would they, if Cowboys win, who, who are they playing? San Francisco. Good luck with that. Yeah. See, look look how close. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I think he did step out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. I don't know if they're allowed to review that in the NFL, but definitely something. Bing. 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 Anyways, yeah, it um, looks like they need to <laughs> review it if they're showing this type of replay. All right, Tyler Huntley, seventeen and twenty-nine, two touchdowns and interception. J.K. Dobbins, thirteen carries, sixty-two yards. He came out and was very, very angry after the game, saying that if they had Lamar Jackson, they would have won this game. Yeah, but again, you don't want Lamar to end up like RG three. Yeah, which is something we talked about off there a little bit, but. I mean, RG3 even came out and said, don't play in a leg brace. Look what happens. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I did not need to see that picture again. Yeah. Well, it's I don't think JK is saying that. I think he was more or less just saying that, like, if we had our guy, we would have beaten this team. Oh, 100%. I, yeah. Because, like, so, Lamar's good at if no one's open, he'll go and make a play. He'll run. Mm-hmm. Huntley, not so much. He's a lesser, he's a, he's a Walmart brand, Lamar Jackson. The, I really hate to say that about a fourth. What, uh, what is Walmart's version of stuff? It's like great value. Great, I don't know. Yeah, great value. Great value. He's a great value. He's Lamar a great Jackson value, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's such a mean thing to say. And like to a Pro Bowl <laughs> alternate too. But like that's what Tyler Huntley is. Oh, like he's not Lamar, but he's Lamar-like, but just very off-brand. Yeah. And yeah. Lamar could he have played his last down in Baltimore? How many? How many QBs has it been? This playoff where it's their first playoff run. You have Gino. 
Well, Gino, you had Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy. Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson. Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley. Is it those four? Oh, well, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. Justin Herbert. That's six. <laughs> six out of... Okay, there was six games, so six out of 12. That's insane. Yeah, because Brady wasn't... Yeah, Brady's not. Dak's not. <laughs> Brady is definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> Brady, Dak, Burrow is not. I'm trying to think of this weekend. Patrick Mahomes, Josh well, Allen. No, well, Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes didn't play this weekend. Oh, yeah. Josh uh, Allen. Josh Allen. Uh, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> I just, I was just thinking that. I was like, that is pretty nice. Huh. It's like the week of the backups. Or, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, the Bengals are hurting right now, literally and figuratively. Um, because yeah. of all that stuff, because they honestly should have beaten this team by more than seven points. Yeah, yeah, they're in trouble going up against Buffalo. So Buffalo, while they didn't pull off their best game against Miami, oh, rolling on the field is a touchdown. Apparently, they might be getting, they might be getting the most injury-prone Cincinnati Bengals team going into the divisional round, as the replay does show here. I guess we'll kind of touch on it since we've been kind of much, pretty much hinting at it this entire yeah. pod. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are currently winning against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. See, that shot there just shows that it looks like he steps out, but I guess not. As they are looking up. as They ruled it a touchdown. Yeah, they ruled it a touchdown 24 to nothing here. Uh, they haven't made an extra point yet. Dallas hasn't tonight. No. Um, Brett Maher. Four straight misses. Yeah. Most in NFL playoff history. Three tonight. So while we're going to live do this to see if he makes makes one. And the kick is up. Shut up. He missed it again. He missed it again. <laughs> you, sir, are not going to have a job after this season. No, you are not. Oh, my oh. God. Yeah, Jerry's already looking away talking. Get, yeah, go ahead and put a, a fire notice in his locker. My God. He's like, is Dan Bailey still available? <laughs> that man could at least kick in playoffs. My God, man. I don't think I've ever quite seen anything like this, but in typical that, Dallas Cowboys how did fashion. That, dude, that looked dead straight and then just... No, and it doinked off the top of the upright. Oh. What is going... Dude, Shout if out. they make it through this, typical. or if they lose because they couldn't... If somehow Tom Brady makes just a crazy drive to come back and they lose because they couldn't make any extra points, that's just going to be heartbreaking. My God. In typical Dallas Cowboy fashion, dude, we see something that we've never seen of. Bro, that's like something Minnesota would do. <laughs> Golly, man. All right. Um, well, we are recording this. It's about a little over 10 minutes left in the third quarter. Uh, anything else you got in the world NFL before we get to on this day in sports? No, I think that really about does it. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll wrap it up with on this day in sports history. You're listening to Good Time Sports. That, that just blows my mind. Four missed extra points this game. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> that's 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 real bad. They're real bad. Real bad. That's that's all I gotta say about that one. That, <laughs> that that real bad. Jesus. All right, we ready for on this day in sports, Mr. Carson? I am. On this day, back in 1988, the NFL St. Louis Cardinals announced move to Phoenix. 
where they become the Arizona Cardinals and currently reside to this day. Back in 1988. Sweet. In 1970, the NFL realigns into three divisions. It's down from four. Wow. On this day, back in 1972, Super Bowl VI, Tulane, New Orleans, the Dallas Cowboys defeat Miami Dolphins 24-3. Roger Staubach wins MVP for Dallas's first of their five Super Bowls. Listen, I got to give Cowboys credit when they do. When they're beating 24 to nothing against Tampa Bay and Brady's looking like this, got to give them their due. Yeah, Brady is not looking good. He looks like he's out of Tampa Bay, that's for damn sure. Brady's looking like he probably should have stayed retired. On this day in 1988, the St. Louis Cardinals announced their move to Phoenix. Uh, had to bring it back to that. You So you said it again. That was my first one, dude. Oh, was it? I didn't <laughs> even pay attention to your one, dude. Jeez, man. Listen, I'm trying to read through these because surprisingly there's not that much on this day. Uh, There's a decent amount. On this day back in 1966, Chicago was granted an NBA franchise to be called the Bulls, becoming the third NBA franchise in the city after the Chicago Stags and the Chicago Packers slash Cyphers, now known as the Washington Wizards. And it looks like Tampa just fumbled again as Dallas is returning. Oh, this. my God. Oh, my God. On this day in 1963, 13th NBA All-Star Game, L.A. Memorial Stadium Arena, East Bay. East beats West, <laughs> excuse me, 115 to 108. The MVP, the one and only Bill Russell. Shout out to Bill Russell, man. Speaking of Boston being good. <laughs> Boston good. Boston good. Anything else in the on this day you want to bring up, Brennan? No, I think that really about does it. We had a pretty quick day today. Uh, obviously, we do miss our co-host, producer, Andrew Maloney, who will be back with us next week. Will he? We don't know. His vacation days just kind of come up whenever they want to. That's so what I said he's just fired at this point. I mean, hey, but we keep know. the we keep the we keep the we hold the profits, down, you yeah. know. Yeah, we do. We hold it down. You know, you hold down the producer desk. I do an all right hold <laughs> hosting the show. We made it through it today. It was a quick one. Hey, no one let Andrew know that he's supposed to be getting paid though. <laughs> Nobody. We'll know if it's one of y'all. Yeah, we'll know. We will know if you told him. <laughs> All right, from my co-host and producer today, Brendan Carson, I am Colin Brown saying thank you so much for tuning in to episode 19 of the Good Time Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you're listening from, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, wherever. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Good Time Sports Podcast. And you can also follow us on our personal pages as well. So... Like I said, from ourselves, Brendan Carson and Colin Brown saying peace. We'll see you all next time.